And in his courses, it was all about just do it. Pick a case, send it to me, and I'll tell you if it's a suitable case. He wasn't a specialist saying, don't, you know, don't try implants yourself. You should refer, you'll get in trouble. And I know there is there are still a lot in the, uh, in the market that are like that. That was Kane Southwell. This is the Newbie Dentist Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Omid Izemi. This is episode five of the five-part implant audio mini residency. I hope you have enjoyed the implant audio experience starting from planning to surgical placement of implants to restoration and management of implants, talking about the digital aspect and digital treatment planning for implant placement. This episode five is with Kane Southwell. Kane is a senior manager at Mordent and has years of experience with helping dentists implement implant dentistry into their practice. In this episode, we bring it all together. We talk about what should dentists do and have done prior to starting an implant course, implementation of when you're done your implant training, how can you start placing implants in your practice, what are some of the obstacles, how do you train your staff, how do you speak to patients about implant dentistry, and also, we finish it off with talking about some stories and experiences of dentists placing their first implants. So definitely stick around for some fun stories there. Finally, Kane speaks about support and services available to help dentists after completing courses in implant dentistry and how using more dent and MIS implants is a very supported environment for you to learn and start placing your first implants. This week's episode of the Mini Implant Audio Residency is brought to you by my good friends at Mordent. Mordent is your proudly Australian-owned and operated partner, driving the charge forward in integrated digital dentistry. Being the only fully integrated local dental company, Mordent offers world-class education, equipment, products, solution, and support. The Mordent team of over 50 specialists are helping thousands of Australian practices to seize the opportunities in digital dentistry, transforming treatment for their dentists and the patients alike. Whether you're seeking to upskill through education or are considering implementation of digital dentistry into your practice or just looking for some advice, I highly recommend reaching out to the Mordent team. Visit www.mordent.com.au to find out more. I will include their information in the show notes for those interested. As always, if you're new to the Newbie Dentist podcast, thank you for checking us out. Be sure to head back and check out the previous episodes that I've done on the podcast. I've had the privilege of having some amazing guests on the podcast over the past couple of years. If you're returning, thank you for your ongoing support of the Newbie Dentist podcast. I hope this mini implant audio residency is full of value for you. And if you are getting value, please head over to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating. These ratings help the show get more traction within the dental community. Without further delay, enjoy my interview with Kane Southwell. So I'm joined today by Kane Southwell for the finale of our mini implant audio residency. We've started off our journey talking about the clinical aspects of it in terms of planning implant dentistry, placing implants, restoring implants, digital implant dentistry. And today we're talking about a little bit about implementation and the backend support of things and how your you know, implant provider can help you implement these things within your practice and, and share some good stories along the way of dentists kind of placing their first implant, I'm sure. So Kane, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, good morning. Good morning. And thanks for having me on your uh, newbie podcast. I'm excited to get into it. I think you've been, you know, around Australia, working with a lot of clinicians, working with 
both educators and dentists kind of placing their first implant. So I think you have a wealth of information and knowledge to pass on today for us. Normally, you know, sticking with the roots of the podcast, we'll start with a bit of an origin story about yourself. So kind of tell, tell us about yourself, your background and um, the work that you're doing with More Dent. For sure. Well, you're right. I, uh, I have been at a lot of clinicians' first cases. I've been at uh, new grads' first cases. I've been at clinicians who are midway along their journey, but I've also been at first cases of clinicians, you know, maxillofacial surgeons who might have done two, three, four, five thousand uh, cases prior. So I'll, I'll tell you, hopefully I'll tell you a couple of interesting stories about those, but a but, uh, bit of background because uh, I, I, I feel like I've worked my whole life with Mordent. It hasn't been, but it's a reasonable proportion of my life and of my working career. And I guess you never, you're getting older when you remember you've done it, when you're approaching 15 years in one job, but uh, it's, it's been a great journey. Yeah. The, uh, when, when it first started, I, 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 prior to this, I'd worked in pharmaceuticals and I'd worked in property development, um, but all, and, and mainly in a sales career and, I met with this guy, I was looking for a new opportunity and uh, I met this, this Israeli guy and he had great hopes for this company, but it was really very much a startup, you know, and he had, he had big dreams, big hopes. He was telling me we're going to do this and then we'll do this and I'll do this. And I thought, well, you know, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Um, if I fast forwarded 10 years, I realised that I had no idea that the things he was planning were actually um, very achievable. Yeah. But uh yeah, so I, I thought I'll take a bit of a chance on this guy. And I hadn't worked in dentistry. I knew nothing. I didn't even know what a crown was. So so the idea of working in dentistry was very new for me. The sales part was fine, but but yeah, it was very much a startup. Um, this this Israeli guy called Jacob had started this company himself a year or two ago and, and had peddled himself uh, around Australia. We decided to take a bit of a chance on each other and see where we could take this. And we worked in out of an office about uh, the room I'm in now is about four by four. It's probably about as big as the office that he and I worked out of. So at the moment, I'm sitting in our head office, our administrative level, which is on level eight, which is about three or 400 square metres. Below us is a 3D printing and lab and centre, which is about 400 square metres. And above us is a training centre, which is about the same. Yeah, incredible. But, but it is a most inauspicious beginning we had. Uh, I would... Uh, I would drive all around Victoria and I would fly up to fly out to Perth and I'd fly to Adelaide and I'd fly to Tasmania. Jacob would look after Sydney and Brisbane and I'd call the orders in and he'd write them on a post pack <laughs> himself. And we, we really did start from the ground. You know, we, I would, I'd go into people's practices and I'd say, I'm, I'm came from it in those days, MIS. Yeah. And they say, oh, is that that mini implant company? I'd say, no, that's that's uh, MDI. That's not us. That's 3M. <laughs> um, so it really, like I say, it was, it was a very inauspicious beginning. But people say, well, you've grown so well. You've done such a great job. And I remind them that it's that it's five and six and seven days a week and 12 hours a day to be this maybe overnight success that more dense become. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, as someone who, you know, I, I wouldn't you know, classify myself as a big time entrepreneur or anything, but to see like a small startup and have it grow so much and have it be something that you've put so much effort and time and things into uh, must be super rewarding now that you kind of get to see some of the fruits of that labor coming through. It's hugely rewarding. It is really. And the same as with any clinicians listening, you know, if you, if you're working out, if you're working as an associate, you want to build your base of patients and, and you've got to do the same things. If you're in, if you're a principal, you've got to build your business and build your practice 
Um, we're all doing the same things. We're all just trying to provide great service consistently so that people rely on us as part of their team. And I, you know, those, are, those are the things that Jacob and I have worked on and that our entire team now, you know, there's 50 in our team between the lab and the sales team. Yeah. From, from being totally unknown, you know, you've got to come into a market at a certain point and, uh, you know, you, you've got to pick where that point is going to be. And similarly, clinicians have to work out what part of the market they're go, going to, to go for. And at the time, there were only these premium implant companies who were very yeah. expensive. And we thought, well, short term, our view was going to, our plan was going to be that we'd come in on the price point. All right? And that's, that's fine in a price non-competitive market. And that's what it was. Yeah. You have these big, big companies, Strauman, Astra, Noble Biocare, 3i, selling implants at five and six and seven hundred dollars um phenomenal margins i'll tell you um, <laughs> you know i would love to sell an implant for 700 bucks and we came in at 270 dollars. of course you have to deal with the consideration of others that at that sort of price your, your product must be garbage and and it takes a, a lot of extra work to convince people that it's not but when you come in at a very very good competitive price where there's still margin then it gives you a good leg up to get started. Just, I mean, you know, if you, if you're an analogous to that, would be a clinician with with you know, doing paid Google ads. Well, you want to have an organic business on on yeah. Google on social media and things. But prior to getting that, you build you build a good business based on on paid advertising and you know, and I guess price based implant selling was that. Um, obviously, we've transitioned totally out of that now. When we came in at the market, there was maybe six or eight competitors, and yeah. we were we were price-wise the, the most competitive. But um, now I'd say there's probably 25 players in the Australian market and we are well and truly in the middle price-wise. Yeah, and it's amazing how many different, how the industry kind of develops and uh, it's, it's important as a, as a company to be able to kind of pivot. And I love what you guys have done with the education side of things as well, to added those services in there, which I think uh, creates a nice little ecosystem for training dentists and then supporting them through that. Uh, so came so far in the first four episodes, we've been more clinical and I wanted to kind of take a step back for a second, actually, and just get your opinion in terms of a dentist listening to this, who is not currently placing implants in their practice and they may want to, or they're thinking about it and they want to add that into their scope of practice for, uh, for, for their practice, or even if they're an associate from your experience of like working with these dentists, the ones that are successful in actually implementing what they've learned in a course into their practice and start placing implants routinely and not maybe do the course and come back and not do it at all or do one or two and kind of fizzle out. What are like some important characteristics or systems and things that they've have lined up for themselves within their practice before actually starting the implant journey to start with? Um, is it banking patients or is it having some marketing early on going on to try and attract some of these patients? Uh, I'd, be, I'd love to hear your thoughts on sure. that. All right. Well, that might have sounded like a simple question, Amy, but <laughs> I, I could probably speak for two hours on, on, on that question alone. Yeah. What does it take to be a beginning and then a good implantologist, implantologist I guess you'd say? And, and it's, there are so many different facets and things that, that you would have to consider as a dentist, but a lot of them are innate. Okay. Some people are real go-getters and they get out and they, they first year out of dentistry, they're like, I'm going to place implants. They go to a course, they, they start to place implants, they make a few mistakes, but they push on. Other people don't get into implants until six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years into their dental career. They might restore a few implants. So, so really there's two different groups and maybe more, but there are, there are also, I think, a clinicians who are scared to do it and they attend a few courses. 
uh, and, and they may or may not place some implants. And, and I think all of it relates to having support and mentoring. It depends whose practice you work at. You know, yeah. you might work in a practice where the principal hoards all the good cases and implant cases are generally, you know, probably the, the higher margin cases. So I found the clinicians, the clinicians who've done the most implants and got the most experience are those that A, were a bit that go-getter character, yeah. go out and do a few courses, source a mentor or something like that. Um, but also work in a practice where the principal doesn't place implants. So they do some marketing, they do some advertising, um, depending on where you might fit into it. But I think the key is having help and support. You know, we've we've had, as you mentioned earlier, we, we did build our business outside of in the very, very early days on price, on, on training and support and mentorship. And um, we've found that the, the GP market wasn't big on implants. You know, 10 years ago, implants were placed by, special, uh, by specialists, yeah. like periodontists, maxillary yeah. facial surgeons, and that market has shifted. I mean, everyone knows that it's shifted. Those early days, the courses were all like this. The courses were fire and brimstone. Someone stands up the front and tells you all the reasons why you shouldn't do implants, <laughs> tell you all the things you shouldn't do, tell you all the things to be scared of, right? And you can see the the MO for that kind of course is the person standing up the front is, and you know when you get those cases, you know who you should refer to. Yeah. You know? And and that's what that's what those courses were like. And I know this because I heard it hundreds of times that oh it's it's good to go to a course where look, we, we ran courses with Prof Gruber, and I know you were lucky enough to spend a little bit of your course, uh, your career, sorry, yeah. uh, working with Dragon at the dental hospital. That's right. Dragon was a wonderful mentor and a fantastic teacher. And we were lucky enough for a decade, 12, even 12 years, to have him be our head lecturer, uh, our, our, our mentor for clinicians. And in his courses, it was all about just do it. Pick a case, send it to me, and I'll tell you if it's a suitable case. He wasn't a specialist saying don't... You know, don't try implants yourself. You should refer. You'll get in trouble. And I know there is there are still a lot in the uh, in the market that are like that, which uh, which uh, I don't want to teach anyone how to fish because there's not enough fish. Yeah. But the fact is, there's enough fish for everyone. And whatever you're going to say, people are going to do what they want to do, and people are going to do what they need to do. So yeah. I think it comes back to, as I said, it comes back to to learning. It comes back to go go to courses. You know, don't go to we, we run 15 courses here a year on implantology from simple restorative to surgery to hands-on to advanced courses to full arch immediate load cases, digital dentistry, everything. But don't just do the more dent courses. Our Dental Implantology Academy is a great place to start and get mentorship, but there's heaps of courses out there. There are a lot of good ones. Do some research. I read somewhere online, you know, got, someone was saying exactly that. Just, just do lots of courses. Yeah. Some are good, some aren't good. Some will be a waste of money, but do lots of courses, do lots of training. And during that courses, you'll meet, you'll meet mentors. And, and to come back to, to your question, I think the, the most critical thing, well, that has been successful for our business, but I think the most critical thing for clinicians who are listening is for them to have a support team, for them to have someone they can refer to, someone they can ask about cases and say, is this going to be a suitable case for me? Yes, it is. And here's why, here's what to think about. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. You should definitely refer <laughs> this one. You know, those are those are important boundaries to have and to be, uh, I guess, uh, have people help you understand. You know, we've, you know, um, obviously you've, you've um, done your podcast with Nudasaran, facial surgeon. Um, she now is one of our 
uh, one of our mentors in our team. She's sort of um, with others taken over the, the role of uh, Dragon as a as a teacher at our Dental Implantology Academy. And, yeah. And it helps a lot of clinicians, you know. She receives a lot of emails from clinicians for all sorts of questions. And I know because I forward them on to her. <laughs> she's she's always, she's busy. She's real busy, but she's very happy to help out. Yeah. And those are the kind of people you want to work with. That's excellent. Yeah, I think there's some great points in there. Uh, firstly, it's uh, just to follow up, you mentioned the the people you find who do the most or best amount of uh, implant dentistry are associates who work in a practice where the principal doesn't uh, necessarily do implants. Uh, so how does that work then? You find the associate kind of brings in their own kits and equipment and things um, to set that up, sort of like a entrepreneur like within the practice or is it something that they partner up with the principal to yeah, supply those probably, things? probably half and half as i say you may you may not be lucky enough as a dentist to be in a practice where the principal allows you to do that but i know i know a dentist who's who's only in his early 30s now i think he's probably placed let's say two or three or four thousand of our implants yeah, wow. and that'd be very, very rare for a dentist in their early thirties. And he started in his mid twenties placing implants. He works at a practice where the principal was very keen on restorative. Was also very keen on promoting and building the business, but was also had no interest in placing implants. So this clinician's in the CBD in Melbourne, and he said he would have placed nearly as many implants as almost anyone in Victoria. You know, yeah. and that's uh, that's, that's a awesome. really great opportunity, but that that isn't the norm, let's say. Yeah, um, like the 1%. <laughs> exactly, that's the 1%. That practice uh, was enabled him to, they, they bought all the kits, they buy all the implants. You're right though, quite often, a principal might need to be motivated and you might need to bring a business case to the principal and say, listen, I have this, um, I have this proposal. I think we can do implants. I think we should send out the cases we should send out, but I think we should keep in, in house the ones we should. Um, are you willing to are you willing to chip in for an implant kit? You might need seven or eight or nine or ten grand to get an implant kit and yeah. some surgical guides and some implants and things to get started. Maybe four or five grand for a motor. The principal might be willing to see the business case. We often extend payment terms for people in those situations. We're saying, look, I'm going to the principal. I want to do a good deal. Can we tell him he can pay over six months? Yeah. We say, sure, sure, let's do that. Let's get him started. Yeah. So it, you can go to the principal with that. And if they balk at that, you have to be in a position where you say, look, I've, I'm willing to pay for it myself. Can I do it? You're, un, you're unlikely if you make a half decent business case to get yeah. into that. You know? <laughs> That's a win-win. Um, well, I think it totally is. And then if you're in your own practice, well, it's a, you know, it's a totally different negotiation. But most clinicians will start as an associate. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing I think is really important to mention uh, as well, outside of the training, formal dental implant course training side of things is, we often find there's a lot of clinicians, there may be a subgroup to one of those I talked about before. A lot of clinicians who go to courses and want to do implants, but they say, I just never see any suitable cases. Yeah. All right. And I would I would put it to them that they are seeing suitable cases all the time. What I think they need, and this is a very important thing, not just in sales for what I mine, myself and my team do, not just in dentistry, but in every field, whether you're an orthopedic surgeon or you're in working in a bookstore. Selling skills, I think, are critical to be able to be successful. You know, I mean, find me a principal dentist who's built a big practice who isn't also a wonderful salesperson. You know, yeah. and there's no, there's no negative, there's no negativity attached to that. It just means you know how to ask good questions, you know how to listen to people, you know how to find out what they want, you know how to present and give it to them. Yeah. What what we do as a, in a sales career is the same as what you guys do in a practice. You, know, you need to ask good questions. You need to go through that process. So. 
It's also important if you think you're not good in sales, so to speak, is to do some training, yeah. do some courses. You know, even uh, I've got our I've got our sales you know, reps around the country who actually do that with the clinicians who say I'm not seeing the cases, and they say, well, let me sit in with you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not they're not dentists, but they are very familiar with the sales process, which is a which is a a, a, a beautiful art once you've mastered it of walking down a process with people and putting your arm around them and shutting the gate behind you and moving along and putting your arm around them and walking on and yeah. shutting that gate. And you get to the point and they say, oh, thanks for taking me to this point, <laughs> you know, esoterically, not uh, not literally. But yeah. people don't come into your practice without wanting to do something. People don't go onto a car yard without, unless they're actually looking to buy a car. Do you? Do you ever? <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you know? no, that's, that's an awesome point. I, I think that the communication piece is huge and not just with implants, but like any, like if you're going to spend time and resources and get training, any sort of different aspects of dentistry, there's no, there's no value in just having the skill. If you can't actually like convey that to the patient and bring value to the patient to, to get that case acceptance. Um, but I think that's a great point. I think a lot of clinicians, especially as like dentists, our personality as a profession, we're more kind of like task oriented, like introverted type people. So in our mind, we're like, okay, if, if I want to produce more dentistry, I need to just get more skills, but we kind of neglect that communication piece of it or, and the sales side of it. And like, in, there's that like dirty kind of connotation to sales, I guess, which I think is like, it's the totally wrong, it's the wrong right. mindset. You're yeah. totally right. My wife, I've been in a sales career. Look, I think probably since I was 14, I had <laughs> entrepreneurial and sales type jobs. And this yeah. is the spice of life. Like I, I thrive on it. It feel it feeds my competitive urge. And, yeah. and you know, when another company says something bad about me, I think, oh, Good on you, because you've just given me two more years of motivation to push, to push into your market. And I have a great fun with it. But you're right, as a dentist, you can be very, uh, very task focused and, you, and you're totally correct. You think I've got to do more courses. Got, if I want to do better, if I want to gross better dollars, I've got to be a better dentist. Well, yeah, of course, that's a factor, but it's only a factor. You know, there are heaps of musicians that are making millions of dollars selling millions of records. And you listen to them, you think, you're not a great singer, you know? You're not a great guitarist. Even your lyrics are only okay, but they're a good performer. They're a good presenter and they've mastered their craft. And and accountants, lawyers, dentists, you know, I can carry on with any profession you think about. You need to hone your skills in your your craft and your trade, but you also, as you say, you you need to be a, if you want to have a really big business, Mm-hmm. And you want to do dentistry on on scale, quality work, but on scale, you you will get that by being able to convey those ideas clearly and, and practice it. And it's it's no more important to practice in our field than it would be in, in yours. I mean, absolutely, yeah, it's an essential skill and um, definitely something that I've learned along the way as well. That how important it is to communicate effectively and and you know and also like concisely because some people are good at talking they can talk but there's no like clear direction or message in there so i think that's that's really useful uh can around the implementation piece again i just want to maybe ask you if you can just maybe a quick overview of so outside like you have the clinical skill now within your practice uh what are some of the tools or equipments and stuff like that that you need as like a baseline to kind of get going okay so if, if you're, if, I mean, you're working in a practice, you're an associate, you're thinking about getting started with implants. I would say 10 years ago, I would have said you need a, a motor and a kit, all right, maybe some implants. Um, these days, obviously, you still need a surgical motor, but the, the, the age of digital has led to surgical guides. And I would say um, most clinicians would, it would make sense to start with a, with a surgical guide kit and some surgical guides 
you know, I mean, as I said to you before, dollars-wise, the investment is not huge and paid over time. Uh, you're generally probably going to use it and pay for it as you go type thing. But you, you need to have a surgical motor. You need to have a guided kit. You need to have a few guides and implants up your sleeve. And that's really all you'll need uh, in, as far as sort of capital equipment and consumables. It might be important to have a few other bits and pieces like surgical drape kits. You need to have irrigation tubing. You need to have irrigation bags. You might need to have sterile gloves. Outside of that, the general dental tools that you would have, you know, um, tweezers and artery forceps and periosteal elevators and suture kits and, and uh, scalpels and these type of things, you already have most of those in the practice. Yeah. But those are really all you need. Implants is, is not a uh, really expensive, though you know, contrary to what a lot of people think, it's really not that expensive to get started with. Um, you know, it's not a lot you need in your practice. It is important to have uh, and sort of, branching off a little, it's important to have a good team, to have a good yeah. nurse, because the dentist can't do implants on their own. You know, the nurses need to go from holding suction uh, to holding suction and holding a lip retractor, maybe in their other hand, holding a, you know, a, a Mitchell's trimmer to, to keep your tissue out of the way, yeah. a few other skills. So you do need to have some training with, with the nurses and the team there as well. Yeah. You know, and then, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So how does the, so that's an excellent point. I mean, I, I got spoiled this year working at the dental hospital where we have like, you know, really well-trained surgical nurses. And this past few weeks have gone back to private after some of these restrictions and things. And it's just like a whole different world because they obviously don't have the same level of training. So where or where or how do the nurses get trained up? Is that something that the dentist <clears throat> needs to do? Or is that something like a support that's also available or a course or something that they can attend? Yeah, there are lots of course. I think, there are lots of courses that, that dentists and nurses can attend. I don't know how many there are specifically for nurses in implantology because it is quite a different field yeah. uh, of dentistry. One of the things that uh, we've built our business on, I started earlier with telling you about the business model we started with was courses, training, and mentorship, and being very price competitive. As a market becomes more price competitive, the only way you can stay in that market is if you drop your price and that becomes a price war and no one wins a price war. So then you need to pivot. And we've pivoted to be a company that is built on support. Yeah. I only take on, we've got seven, eight reps, uh, consultants reps around the country. We only take on people who are willing to roll out the red carpet for people. And that includes, as we were touching on before, all aspects of training. So we think it's important if you're providing the full 360 degree implantology is to provide all of that support. So the course for the clinician, the mentorship for the clinician through mentors that we have on our team, and as well as that, going to your cases. So training of the nurses is really important. So the worst thing for me is when I go to a practice, well, let's not say the worst thing, but but a tough thing is someone says to me, I'm going to do my first or second case, come in at 10 o'clock and we're going to get started. I go in at 10 o'clock and the nurses, they're looking at me like, they're like stunned fish and saying, right, <laughs> What do we do? I've got I've got this drape kit, these gloves. I don't really know, so they don't understand sterile protocol or sterile technique or the setup of the room. Yeah. I think uh, it's going to be a long day because the patient's already in the waiting room. <laughs> patient's going to be waiting at least another half an hour while we do this. Yeah. So so it's a good idea for us to do that prior, but we do that all the time. You know, we've got checklists. We'll send nurses to make sure they've got things ready for the case. We'll come in half an hour early prior to the case and do some training with them, get one of them to record it and we'll show them how to, how to 
scrub and how to get the sterile gloves on and how to put the gowns on themselves, stuff they probably haven't done because general dental nursing, you just need to pull some gloves on and, and a mask and a, and a gown, you know. So we'll show them how the sterile technique is. We'll set up a sterile drape kit area. We'll set up the suction with sterile. We'll set up the mirror handle and and just the, the steps in the process that they'll need to see once, maybe twice before they get it. And I love when I come in to do cases in the, the with the you know, oral surge nurses because I don't have to do anything. I just come in and the rooms are set up beautifully. They yeah. tell me not to touch stuff. You know? <laughs> um, so it is important that if you if you need that help with your team that you reach out. You know, we can we can help with that side of as well. So it's about having a clinician know what they're doing and the clinician feeling comfortable and supportive. But your support team needs to as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's some great advice, and I think that's the stuff that as a clinician, I kind of think about sometimes like, okay, if I'm doing this course, how am I going to implement it? How is my staff going to know what to do with it? So I think it's really useful that these services are available and that you guys can actually come to the practice, show the nurses how to implement, how to set up, how to, how to uh, help out the dentist essentially take kind of as much stress out of the procedure as, as you can. Uh, so we've, we've gone through a lot. I mean, the, the implant residency has been fun. We've, you know, interviewed some clinicians and talked to yourself about some implementation. So I thought a fun way to maybe wrap up the implant uh, audio residency would be to maybe share some like stories and experiences uh, with some first timers, <laughs> some of the stuff that you've seen that you're, you, you can share. You can leave names and stuff. Obviously, out of it if you like. Oh, look, mate, we'll, we'll anonymize it and I can tell you anything. <laughs> but uh, I've said often before that I could probably almost write a book that would on be the great. things that I've seen <laughs> happening around the place. But but you know, look, here's, there are there are really really great clinicians out there, and 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 some of them really surprise me. I mean, I'll start at the top. There's there's a there is a maxillofacial surgeon in the city who I did my first case ever with. I've, I've been doing this. 11, 12 years, and uh, there's a surgeon in the city who'd, who'd never done an MIS, not one, not one implant. He'd never seen our surgical guide and he'd never seen our surgical guide kit. And, uh, and one of the prosthodontists who does a lot of MIS referred this case to him. This is an upper and lower clearance, full arch, uh, six implants upper, six implants lower, multiple surgical guides, alveolectomy guides. It's about as complex a case as you can do in implantology. To top it off, this patient was in her 20s yeah. um, and had lost her teeth from um, from, a, from a health disorder. And so I'd say this is about as high demand a case as you could have. I mean, we've got a surgeon here who's who's done a lot of implants, never seen our kit. And I was quite nervous, right? Because it's <laughs> it's on it's on me. It's it's my we've we've printed the guide downstairs. We've yeah. planned the case with him and the prosthodontist. We've helped design it. We've got the kits. And I thought, if this guy doesn't listen to me, you know, it's going to be a disaster. Um, and, and, and just like a, a, a really, and this, this is quite a, a high up surgeon, just like someone really should be, he was open and willing to listen. We went into the case and he said, right, Kane, everyone be quiet. Kane, what are we going to do for this? What's the best, you know, what are you thinking to do this and this? And he's asked for my thoughts. And, you know, that, I think it's very, uh, uh, someone who's in there very, magnanimous and open this is a surgeon who's very skilled he could have said i'm going to do this you just stand over there but he asked for thoughts because you know i think i've probably been at three or four maybe five thousand implant placements now over the years and yeah um this is a case that took us an hour six wow. upper six lower including clearances. he did exactly what he, he, sh he should do mm -hmm. and then when he had queries he asked me i said do this he did that it was a super high demand case we got a beautiful outcome three months later the implants were integrated, the patient got upper and lower bridges put on. Magnificent outcome, but it but it shows that even you know, even clinicians with with 
one that when they've got the skills and when they're willing to to listen and and are open to not knowing everything yeah you know you can have great outcomes even when it's a very uh a very uh, high demand slow start case and, um the surgical guide has been fantastic uh, i did a case three or four years ago which i will not forget uh, and i know the clinician i'm talking about will not forget it either um he don't he'd only done two or three implants it was his first implant in the lower uh it's the lower seven i think it was and the nerve was reasonably close and we were placing uh i think so it was a three six i think we were placing yeah and the nerve was two mils away and it's a very dense cortical bone um, that we had to drill through and so we used a surgical guide. We put the surgical guide on and he's pushing away at the drill and, and, and he's looked at me and said, so, you know, what now? I said, like, as in push, you know, we can't communicate too much in front of the patient, but uh, yeah. I said, you know, like, <laughs> give it a push, give it a push. Cause I, I know it's just sitting on the bone. It just needs to yeah. pop through. He's given it a bit of a push and I could see just, it dropped through. He's all good. And then, and he obviously goes to give it a bit more of a drill and he pushes down on it and he goes, boom. And the patient goes, ah, the patient screamed. And he's looked at me and, uh, and, and I just quickly looked in the mouth and, and uh, straight away, I knew there was nothing to be worried about. Yeah. He didn't know that. And uh, I said, oh, I think what you've just done is you've caught the patient's lip on their tooth on the drill mm-hmm. and you've just hit them. And he said, no, no, I've, and I know what he was saying. He said, no, 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 I've pranked the nerve. I've gone straight through the nerve. Yeah. When I looked in the mouth, the guide was intact. The yeah. guide, the guide was full arch guide. It went from the five to the seven and the guide was intact. And I said, no, you're all good. Um, you're all good. But the truth is the guide saved him. Yeah. Yeah. The guide saved him on that day. And this is part of the digital technology age that you can use these technologies to help you. Yeah. He still wanted to take a PA. He took a PA. It was all good. The nervous had come from the way, but yeah, it could have been a disaster without a surgical guide. But the fact yeah, that the guy was intact, it wasn't broken. I was totally calm. He wasn't until he saw the PA, but we pushed on. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, st- look, sterile technique. I think there is there is a practice, and this is a true story. Uh, there is a practice who I went to some years ago, many, many, many years ago, maybe 10 even. And I wonder why they had these little short irrigation tubes um, that go from the hose to the handpiece. Uh, sorry, the bag to the handpiece. I said, you, this is really short. It needs a bit of elongation. They said, no, no, it's nearly finished with. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> nearly finished with. And they said, well, we've already used it a few times. I said, what do you mean used it a few times? And they said, well, every time we use it, we just cut off the top inch, the bit that goes in the patient's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, so this is almost finished because you've cut it enough times? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is a practice for for 10 years for whom we provided free irrigation tubing yeah <laughs> um, yeah i don't know whether they didn't know or they didn't want to spend the money we were you know either way we we're making sure our implants when they get placed they get placed as right as we can control so yeah <laughs> you know you might not think that's a true story but i couldn't make that up that's great it's a small expense really? to like of all expenses just, to try just, and save on. just crazy you know i've had a clinician recently who, who was going to do her first sort of you know all on x uh a case um five implants in fit a bridge and prior to the case starting in the morning um the clinician called me and said oh look, i'm not sure about this part of the process i said well if you're not sure about that part of the process i think you shouldn't do the case today yeah i really think you shouldn't you'll get stuck and we've got a clinical director so we've got a full-time clinical director who's a dentist uh, who you who you obviously you know you've interviewed dr harry schlen yeah. uh, he, he's had 
35 years experience and 20 of those in implant dentistry. And, and we provide a service for these sort of cases where, where Harry will actually go out and nurse for the case. So Harry will nurse and assist. So he, he actually, we rescheduled this case. We got the clinician to come in. We talked over the case. We talked about the considerations and things you need to do. And when the case was happening, Dr. Harry went uh, actually attended the case, helped with a couple of extractions, helped tweak a couple of implants and fit the multi-units and, and make sure the bridge was tight. And the case went beautifully, patient happy, clinician over the moon. But again, it's kind of reiterating the idea that it's really important to have a team behind you. Yes. Yeah. This, this, you know, this could have ended up being a, let's say a dental board conversation rather than a, rather than a before and after photographs for your webpage. Yeah, yeah so. it's quite stressful when you're out there on your own and if you have no support, then if you get stuck then you're kind of in a, in a rough spot to be in. Oh, I, the, the calls I don't like are when they're from a surgeon and they're in theatre and I, they say, I've got the call from you from Dr. Whoever and I know I'm on speaker and there's 10 people in the theatre listening and they say, this has happened, what do I do? <laughs> um, I'm just happy that after these days I've got most of the answers, but the pressure's on when those things happen, but yeah, that's part of the excitement. Hey? And for the for the clinicians that are placing their first implant, is it generally like accepted that the patient knows that this is their first case, or like how does that approach? It really depends. Some clinicians are quite happy to say, "You're my guinea pig. It's my first case. I'll do it for you for five hundred bucks. I'm yeah. going to have the company who made the guide here. They're going to be here with me, just you know, with the kit." Um, other clinicians uh, want to not to be like that. You know, they, they might have done. A couple of cases but the patient doesn't know or need to know that for that matter so with those ones we'll go over the case thoroughly in detail we'll talk about every possible thing that could go wrong prior to the case what we're going to do if it happens most of them aren't going to happen when we go to the case i'm i'm just there because there's a new surgical kit you know and, and we we'll, generally don't need to say anything that isn't true i mean this is a new kit that's new to the clinician and and uh, i'm just there to make sure that uh, it all goes properly and that's the patients are wholesale the patients are fine with that yeah they don't have any problems uh i've only ever had one a couple of times when someone says who's that guy in the suit standing in the room and <laughs> and that's 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 just that's just the clinician not actually introducing me properly so yeah you know sometimes i'll say you know i'm here like you know and you tell me who i am because i would hate it if i was a patient there's some dude waiting in the room like who's this who's this guy you know what's he doing in the room so yeah as long as i'm as long as i'm introduced they're totally fine with it and we very rarely need to communicate with anything other than my little laser pointer and uh, a few hand signals. Yeah. So on the whole, yeah, there's a system, but on the whole, the cases that we attend, because we're not nervous, we're not going to forget the kit, our brain's not going to freeze, um, we know the kit back to front. So that's the part we provide is just that we know our stuff, but we're not dentists, we're not going to touch anything, we're not going to do anything, but we do know our kit's back to front, we don't get nervous in the case. So it's a good support to have, just have someone there to think about making sure that your implant's not going to go in and your motor's still on 1500. Yeah. I've you know? um, seen that too, by the way, <laughs> multiple times. Uh, what's the, um, what's the normal, like how often would you go or how many cases do you normally go for like someone starting out? Is this something that you just do for like the first couple just to, to look comfortable or is it more clinician guided telling you like, you know, I might need a It's totally that. It's totally that. But I make the mistake sometimes of saying to people, just because you kind of try to provide that full, full 360 degree support. So look, I'll come to your first case. And if you need me to come to your first restorative case, I'll do that. If you need me to come to your first impression taking, I'll do that. So I, I made them, I made the mistake a few years ago of offering that to someone and they took me totally literally. And I was a clinician in Bendigo. Um, I went up to the, to the first case. It turns out it wasn't the first case. They were just taking imps for the guide. 
So I drove an hour and a half to watch them take impressions <laughs> for a surgical guide, took them back to the office, went out for the first case, we placed the implant, went back to restore it. No, they weren't restoring it. They were just taking impressions. So I was there for impressions again, then went back to help. So four trips to get this case done, but you know, whatever it takes, yeah. whatever it takes. Some clinicians have me, I'm going to, I'm going to a case on Thursday. I've been in this guy's first 10 or 11 cases. Um, yeah, I'm probably about to tell. I'm about to push him out of the nest, I think. But yeah, uh, he wants me to be there and just to, for any other things that could go on. That's fine. You know, mm -hmm. it's only we've got it's kind of quick now, so it's clinician driven. If they want me around for a lot. We'll be around, and if they don't, that's fine. We're yeah. around on the phone. No, it's awesome support, and I think it's a definitely a valuable service for for clinicians to have that kind of someone with experience in the room to kind of help you out in case you kind of get stuck or start panicking, and. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, working at the hospital this year has been nice because, you know, if, even if like someone next door or a phone call away, uh, someone with like Dr. Harry's like experience, you can just like ring them up prior to a case or something. Um, it's totally that's really that. valuable. It's totally that. It's the panic. It's the panic that happens, right? You're doing something and you go, shit, I don't know what to do here. And then your brain goes, I'm out of here. You stop yeah. breathing. <laughs> My wife's an actor and she taught me, uh, she said, well, you know, what can you help me with public speaking? How can I? It's years ago and I knew I'd have to do a lot of it. And she said, most people, when they, when they get nervous, get anxious, they stop breathing. And when you stop breathing, your brain stops working. And you notice you watch someone up on stage and you'll see their chest stops moving. Yeah. And then they blank. <laughs> and they just freeze. The key is, I think, is to is to, you know, keep breathing, but we don't think like that. So yeah. It's always good to have someone to remind you just to breathe. It's okay. I'll tell you what to do. You know, step through the step through the process. There's no problem. You can't uh, you can't work your way out of work your way through. That's awesome, Kay. Thank you so much for a lot of uh, great experience. You know, it, it kind of tied together the whole implant uh, audio residency together quite nicely because uh, we start off with, from a clinical placements and restoring and management and uh, to talk about implementation and how to set it up within the practice and the services and things that are available to dentists through more dent. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's an exciting time for implant dentistry. Some of the older clinicians we talked to uh, similar to what you were saying earlier in terms of specialists being the only ones who are teaching and things would mention they would have to like lie on their, you know, app applications for like attending events and things and say they're specialists just to kind of get into the door and, and get behind this, behind the curtain to be able to see and learn. And it's amazing where we are now with so much information and so much amazing experience available to, to dentists and specialists alike to, to really learn and, and, you know, raise the floor of like what clinical dentistry should be around uh, Australia and around the world, which is uh, really exciting. Uh, any, any last minute things or any other thoughts or anything you have for us before we wrap up? Uh, I agree with what you've just said totally is get a, is, is get a good team behind you. <clears throat> do the courses you need to do, follow the things you want to do because you can do them these days. You don't have to be told that you can't. If you, the tipping point for implants being placed more by general practitioners than specialists happened years ago. So, and that's the same in most of the specialized areas of dentistry. Specialists should be for specialist cases. That's, that's what their training is for. The simple ones you should do yourself. So get in, get some courses, but as I say, get a team around you so that it makes it easy for you to do it. You can feel confident, uh, confident and competent and you can enjoy it and you can have some fun with it and go where you want to go and, and, uh, yeah listen to great podcasts. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully this has been one. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll chat soon. Great. All right, guys. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks, Amit. Talk soon. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and head over to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating. 
for all show notes and to access all previous episodes, head over to www.newbydentist.com. Have a great day.